welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we're digging out of your backlog before it burns you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Zaldin and Luxor to my Zigbar. You stole the best character there, you know. Am I really just stuck being quiet, guy? <laughs> it is yeah. up to you which one you are. <laughs> Wait, no, I think based on I think based on our voices, though, yes, this is exactly right. You are Zaldin, and that <laughs> is Luxor. <laughs> Lame. Anyway, yes, I'm, I I'm the best one. I'm yep, sorry. Anyway, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm Matt. Before we get into this episode, um, uh, this episode is actually a attempt at re-recording the original uh, version of this episode. Unfortunately, when I went into editing, I discovered that the, the original recording we had was corrupted, and unfortunately, that means that the entire thing has to just be redone. At this time of this recording, this is actually being recorded in between uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep episodes 12 and 13. So you can kind of tell how far back we are in editing as well when I say that. <laughs> uh, we're going to try and keep it as relatively in line with the Kingdom Hearts 2 episodes that came before this one and the ones that are coming after. As good as they are, maybe better than they, those two are going to be. I don't know. I'm looking forward to doing this episode again anyway. It's kind of a weird one. <laughs> At least it would have been cool if you would have been able to open the corrupted f- file and get some weird audio that uh, I've seen other podcasts post some of their corrupted audio. And that was always fun. Like, I, it's so weird. Like the file itself is just like I'm like, it cuts off at a certain point and then just is like, nope, can't do anymore. This file is <laughs> dead. You cannot do anything with it. What are we doing today? <laughs> So this week, we're going to start a reunion tour. So we're going back to the Disney World she's already cleared now that we've gotten ourselves out of uh, Hollow Bastion. I don't know why Kingdom Hearts 2 decided to do this. This is the only Kingdom Hearts game that does it. It has us revisit all the Disney Worlds we've been to for a second run at the story. Yeah, like as soon as you get on the world map, it's all the world just starts saying new episode available. Well, I think like half of the world say new episode available, right? Or is it like, uh, I, okay, it, like, reopens the map for you again. So you basically play the game in a smaller form again a second time. I I think they want to get like some extra content in there and be like, have some harder monsters in some of these worlds and, you know, have a little bit more, uh, how to say, variety for endgame farming, I guess. Well, I mean, you could do that without opening up new sequences in the world. It's like most, like none of them go to new maps. I mean, I can remember. Uh, Some of them do go to new maps. Most of them don't. The idea of the plot is after the meeting with the remainder of Organization 13, they seem to have scattered out and started causing trouble on different worlds, trying to disrupt their plots, create Heartless or vague other things. Let's be clear. The real reason this is happening is we need to actually introduce these organization members, and we couldn't do it in the first pass of these things, so we're doing it now. Introduce and kill them. Not kill them. We only kill one. But man, like most of these are really short stories. While a couple of them theoretically conclude what was left over in the story, the first one, they, most of them are just kind of just these quick side events happen. And Sora's really horny throughout, which is weird for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to speed through these four worlds at a time because we're trying to hit a very specific number for our final episode this season. Honestly, these second acts in the Disney World are pretty weak. They they really don't do too much for the plot of either the Disney Worlds themselves. And we honestly could have relocated the KH lore stuff somewhere else and skipped these. It, it, or, it just feels weird. Or, hear me out, they could have just done each Disney World once and done. Make them a bit bigger. Like, uh, that's kind of a thing that's happened with Kingdom Hearts 2 up to this point is like all the Disney Worlds were pretty small and pretty fast. So... Maybe it's just like we have a specific time of the game we have to hit and 
we've run out of stuff because we weren't able to build enough environments. Let's just use it all over again. <laughs> I mean, if you say that it's spreading out the villains for more use, you'll see how crammed together they end up by the end. So let's get on with it. Uh, the first place we return to is the land of the dragons. We've already done everything here. Is, not th- is there anything left to take care of? Wait, what's that over there? Oh, it's another guy in a hood. Yep. And there he goes. Bye. Yep. We discover Mulan has been trailing a hood guy throughout the countryside. I think she literally comes up running up to you like, where did he go? We are completely in the realm of post-story fan fiction for this world because Mulan's just kind of like doing her own thing now after the fact. But I'll say this. I will say this. It's better than Mulan 2. <laughs> Basically, it's all themed around the nobodies who have chosen to mess with these worlds doing their thing and us stopping them. Yep, pretty much. I mean, uh, in theory, but so few of them are doing anything. Like, do we remember who, if anyone's here to, to do anything? Let's go. Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. First, the Neo Shadows are back from from late Kingdom Hearts 1, although I believe they were. this was the first time they appeared if you don't play Final Mix. Neo Shadows in one were that secret monster that you had to farm to get specific uh, materials. In this one, Neo Shadows were just a slightly, well, not slightly, a much stronger shadow enemy to fight. They're really cool looking, though. And it took shadows, they stretched them out, gave them long, jagged ears, right? A little, a little yeah, they, rabbit ones. They got full length limbs, jagged claws, all the, all the good uh, shadow monster stuff. When you said rabbit, I just had the vision. I realized that shadows are essentially Max from Sam and Max in silhouette. Shit, you're kind of right. Oh, no. <laughs> At least where they don't do you, have the do teeth. You, where do you keep your hearts? That's none of your business. <laughs> so yeah we get in some fights we're chasing the guy we're going up to the cliffs up to the snowy peak again Mulan tells us that our arrival fucked up her trailing this guy so sorry well she's the one who decided to stop and talk to us yeah <laughs> why are you blaming us for we just got here so we get a rehash of the heartless appearing over the cliff it still doesn't look any more impressive like it, it honestly it looks pretty the first time you see it it's really goofy the second time you're just like did oh we, did we need to do this again but we look, we animated this great uh, engine cutscene. We're going to reuse it. Yep. The hood guy sneaks up behind, it attacks, and pulls out the Soul Eater. It's Riku. Now, sometimes you say Soul Eater, I just get really stuck on that one, on manga, but. <laughs> I mean, Soul Eater is not a very, uh, how should I say, unique phrase. It's an edgy phrase, it's the kind yes. of phrase a Chuni would use. It's kind of afraid. It's kind of yeah. He definitely, he definitely named it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, or I mean, technically, I mean, okay. Like the keyblade that is actually like his when he does get a keyblade is Path to the Dawn, as I recall. Or way to dawn. Either way, something yeah. that's it's over dramatic. It's it's yeah, like still over dramatic, but not like the like. Soul Eater is a name that impl- that if you're thinking about Final Fantasy implies Dark Knight. My favorite Chuni character, though, is probably still uh, Gundam Tanaka from Danganronpa 2. There's so many good choices for Chuni loons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just love the fact that he considers himself the Dark Lord and then his his, you know, pets are little hamsters. I love it. So yeah. there's a short fight, but Sora doesn't seem convinced that it's that it's Riku. He feels something's off. Yeah, he's like, I'm not sure what's going on here. And then a fucking dragon heartless flies to the capital. Okay. 
Wow. That's actually a kind of cool one. I, I, I yeah. appreciate that they actually went through the effort of making a dragon heartless, even if it is for a small thing. It's like, hmm, we probably need to take care of that, huh? So down at the capital, folk guy that we presume is Riku is attacking the emperor because I guess if, if you make five bad decisions a day, why not round it off with an attack on an emperor? So we got to hurry to the capital. The soldiers outside of it are weirdly unalarmed that someone broke into the palace. They didn't make animations for the cl- soldiers. Nope, they did not. Yeah, they just they just stand there. So we get snuck into the castle by Mulan. Do we think it's snuck in? I feel like it just kind of happens. No, she sneaks us in because we can't get through the door itself. She shows us. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So that adds breaking and entering to our myriad crimes. Uh, the emperor will forgive us. Look, it's the dragon exemption. When <laughs> there's a dragon, certain things won't be prosecuted as closely. <laughs> Yeah, inside we find Kloku. Wait, no, this guy takes off his hood and reveals himself to be Zigbar. I object to the word Kloku. Oh, get used to it, buddy. We're going to be coming up with all sorts of new ways to say Riku. Maybe we've had plenty already. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, never heard of him. But I me, mean, I can't do I can't do Zigbar's voice. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> never. Yeah. Riku. Never heard of him. I just love Zigbar just in general. He's one of my favorite nobodies. He, he just... He has a really good swagger and personality, and I love just how everything he does is essentially made to make you think that he knows more than he does, even oh, though yeah. he probably doesn't. Or does he? We've already been here. Like, we already saw him the flashback harassing poor Zexion. Uh, and I just love he he leads the snipers and his conclusion is he has a long range weapon. So he puts a bunch of daggers stuck to the handles so to punch people with them. I assume also the gun is sharp. Yeah, we're not going to fight him just yet. Uh, we're This is just like our little introduction to him. So like I said, yeah, he just throws off his hood, throws snipers at you, and then just, he just leaves. <laughs> yep, the snipers have a really cool reaction command to them, as I recall. You can basically grab their lasers that they shoot at you and toss them back at them. It's kind of neat. I think you can also hit others with it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what they're, like, what kind of transformations do. I think they kind of, like change how much of them is the gun yeah they they kind of like make their gun really large if i remember correctly as i recall their basic animations are they're sort of like hovering underneath their gun it's like it's pulling them around yeah yeah the gun itself is what's moving them the one thing that's interesting is that most of the advanced nobodies like the sniper seem to be a bit more stable than say the regular nobodies the dusk and the yeah, yeah. whatever one is the feet. Yeah, they, they will still change their shape, but it seems a little bit more under control, whereas the dusk seems to, you know, as it's moving around, it seems to be warping a little bit just naturally. And then it just kind of sw- swings and stretches and stuff to attack. Well, even though you can see eyes inside the zipper, they does seem almost almost empty, like they're almost as like moving leather suits. The, the, the snipers are not. That particularly annoying, fortunately, yeah. I think. This the, <laughs> yeah, I think the more annoying ones come later. <laughs> we break through to the throne room. Yeah, for the Shane tell us that there was another cloak fellow and he was telling them about how there's a dragon coming. That's yep. nice of him. Yeah. So I asked if it's Riku. The emperor said he didn't know his name, but that he was very rude, which clues us in. Well, that's Riku. <laughs> yeah. Rude. That's Riku. Yeah. <laughs> And also, apparently, guy just swatted Shang down when Shang just jumped the the intruder. So, <laughs> but Sora is just a hundred percent saying that's Riku, and Don's like, "Oh, he's in the organization." Sora's like, "Don't say that." We don't know that. Okay, let's go fight a dragon. 
This one is actually a good excuse for a fun and well-designed boss fight. It can be a little bit annoying, but there's a lot of cool stuff to do in it. You say fun and well-defined. I say standing on the ground, jumping and trying to hit something way out of range a lot. I thought it was a pretty fun but easy fight. Like, there's a lot of cool mechanics. You get to ride tornadoes and break parts off of it to knock it to the ground. Uh, I think I had it in my notes. Get up on the dragon's back just to Mm. fall back to the whole Hydra fight. We're not going to try and do the syncing up audio again. That was pretty fucking terrible when I tried editing that. <laughs> well, you tried doing it all at once. Yeah, we tried doing it all at once. Remember? It says something about it says something about my memory that I keep forgetting the small gags. Oh dear, it was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of commentary you can only get when you've had some editing and made some mistakes. <laughs> Our loss is your gain. Winning gets you an upgrade to Thundara, which is a very good thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's great to have the Eye of Thundara again. Jeez. No, we're never going to make that reference. <laughs> I, guess we, yeah. I guess if we're never going to make that reference, we can always make that reference. Yeah, Thundercats, dude. Yeah, Thundercats. Yeah. I- <laughs> just I know, I know I'm the, I know, I appreciate sure I'm the oldest, but not by that much. No, I, I understand. See- I've seen, I saw Thundercats on Toonami. Honestly, I'm pretty <laughs> sad that the that the new Thundercats thing that uh, that was kind of in the anime style that Cartoon Network was doing got canned because I think that had a lot of potential, but they were canning anything that wasn't Teen Titans Go at that point, basically. I didn't watch either that or the uh, Thundercats uh, more cutesy reboot, but my opinion of that is based on how the Thundercats fans responded to the cutesy reboot, they only deserve the cutesy reboot. Yeah. <laughs> I generally agree with that. You, you, you attack something just on what the visuals are. You're gonna, you're gonna lose me completely. I mean, I loved Shira, and believe me, I was motivated to try it just by all the people complaining that it wasn't Barbie enough for them. Yeah, yeah she was fantastic. Yeah. I did not like the 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 cuter Thundercats one, but I was not like against it. I just it wasn't for me. I was just a little bit salty that they got rid of the the more serious one and kept and only did that one. I would have liked if they had both. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's various attempts to try and reboot cartoons that were mostly used to sell twice in the eighties. Yep. And actually try and put something real behind them, whether that real is a real good story or uh, QC cartoony jokes. Either way, it's better than being a toy commercial from the eighties. When are we going <laughs> to get dinosaurs back? That was awesome. <laughs> So after we win, the emperor offers us a wish. Sora, being very bad at choosing wishes, just wants to know some stuff he could have asked anyways. Yeah, like uh, I have in my notes that Sora, Donald and Goofy need to learn the lore about Cloak Pugas to understand why Riku is in that cloak. (laughs) Not only have they not learned that lore, even if they did, it would have been completely erased from their memory. So (laughs) they only know is the cloaks are cloaks. They don't even know the, the lore that isn't our gag about it. Yeah. Only Rico knows that. He's taking it to his grave now. And if Taname ever says anything, he will never speak to her again. Yeah, like he has already taken a vow of silence because he realizes just how fucking cringe he was in Chain of Memories. <laughs> yeah, he's not talking unless you make him or if you Diz. Because whatever, Diz is out. Who gives a shit what Diz thinks? Yep. I also have on my notes, Mulan wants Shang to have a vacation because she wants to go on a date with him. Duh. <laughs> like, And that's and- that's where the tone ends. Whenever we finish off a world, we're going to get a title card for that chapter. Just showing us the name of the world again. 
day. Did this advance the plot here at all? Does it do anything yeah. for Mulan? It definitely doesn't really do anything for Kingdom Hearts. I yeah. guess it did show us Zigbar. That's it. That's all it did is it got us it introduced Zigbar. Sora finds out that Riku is going around saying Sora's going to take care of shit. So kind of like he's getting the jobs pawned off on him. We wise guys need to take care of it. Like, this is like sort of part of the problem with these revisits to the worlds is that there's not a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, Sora stops Donald and Goofy from interfering with a moment between Mulan and Shang because he wants to watch, I guess. Sora, when you're older. (laughs) Sora's body is a year older than his mind now, so maybe he's having some confusion. (laughs) Let's go to Beast's castle. (laughs) Sure. There's nothing there's nothing problematic in that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm glad we were recording this. This is fun. We've gone mad. Yes. All right. So yeah, we're going to Beast Castle. It seems like they're just prepping for date night. Yeah. Yeah. Belle's planning a date. Both she and Beast are looking pretty fancy. And then we just show up like, hi, you guys aren't doing anything important, right? Yep. We're <laughs> third, fourth, and fifth wheels. Excellent. We're just in a sitcom. We're the annoying neighbor who burst in. We're the tricycle awkwardness. Now we have like two different sidecars on this whole thing. And (laughs) one of them is a weird one with three wheels. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what mental image I'm trying to conjure here. Uh, It's kind of like the opening of Metalocalypse. I was kind of thinking of Metalocalypse opening where they're all in the one weird motorcycle thing. (laughs) I have not seen Metalocalypse. Donald seems to like the idea of being an extra wheel. Yeah, he like it's like we came at bad time. He's like, well, there's one way to find out. He just dashes towards them. Yep. Don- like, Donald seems like the sort of person who would crash a wedding for the food and booze. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely correct. Donald would totally do that. Well, is <laughs> Donald's got impulse issues that that that's well known about him. I feel like there's probably at least one comic book about Donald doing that. <laughs> Even what I've learned about Donald comics, see. Uh, future episode. I will, <laughs> I, will, I will say he generally goes towards more of the hapless victim of circumstance rather than going for scams. But, mm-hmm. but, but he is a sort to get drawn into stuff by being taunted or tricked easily. Yeah, but he does also seem to enjoy some juicy gossip. He probably gets that one from Daisy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also have in my notes, Lumiere. You don't have to welcome Sora Doll and Goofy, and especially you don't have to welcome that cloak guy. So we don't need to be our guest number. I'm not doing a French accent. Please don't. Bonjour. <laughs> no. There will be no musical numbers outside of the place that shall not be named in John's presence. We're not going there. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, it's like Mayor's like, look, I'm the MC. I'm going to announce everyone if I have to. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's an aforementioned cloak guy that shows up. I'm pretty sure it's Zaldin because oh, Zaldin yeah. was interested in this world before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he just decides he, he's like, you don't know when to quit. It's like he sticks some snowbodies at us. These ones are dragoons. Which much as you expect, if you know much about Final Fantasy, they they hop around with their spears. Yep. Uh, the reaction command to them is actually you grab their spear and do a jump on them. They actually look like like humanoid dragons, too. Yeah. So. Like, they do a good job shifting between that dragon form and the dragoon shape that you kind of associate with if you played a lot of Final Fantasy. The funny thing is, if you look closely, the big neck and head of the dragon is like a helmet over a black area yeah, where yeah. there might be eyes, so... Yeah, I like them. 
Yeah, these advanced nobodies are actually a pretty big jump in difficulty. I mean, their 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 reaction command is learn and jump. Yep, you get to learn like, how to jump. Wait, haven't we been jumping a lot? Like somehow you can like absorb one of their dragoon jumps or more. Like it'll stack up with learn, and then you use jump just to go up the air and come slamming down and just smash an area. Around this time in my playthrough, I encountered a rare heartless called the Bulky Vendor. It's kind of a weird Gashapon machine heartless. I got an org halcom from it. I never could do those right because you have the time. I think it's more or less just luck. I don't know if it's timing. I believe it's when like the luck, your the the prize pool improves as you get closer to the despawn time. I believe. Okay. Like it's it's still it's still a, it's still a luck roll, but you get you get better options as if you wait and wait till like the last few seconds. Got it. Okay. Uh, I encountered that as we we're heading from the dance hall to beast room. So we end up following Beast and Bell to Beast's room. Where he immediately just gets absolutely enraged because the rose is gone. He just starts screaming in everyone's face, blaming Bell for her party. It's like, yeah, this is this is not this is not OK. Yeah. Zaldan stole Beast's rose. The Beast has a really big uh, self-flagellation complex, and he is kind of taking it out on Bell because Bell got him to kind of stop the self-flagellation for a day, and then this is what happens? Well, well, basically, he screams at her. Sora basically calls him out for it, and then he feels so guilty that he's screaming at people, so I should just go live like a beast. Okay, let's get back that rose and resolve this fucking weird fanfic of Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Because it's appropriate to the room, there's an absent silhouette in in Beast's room. It's Marluxia! Because Rose... We convince Beast to join us to take the fight to Zaldan and get the Rumbling Rose Keyblade, which is a pretty strong one, as I recall. It's one of the more powerful physical ones out there. Is it one that has a reduced combo count on it, or is it a increased combo count on it? I just like that the the the, the, the servants decide to give Sora and the others a quick run through of what the rose means, and they even say what's needed, how it's a love, and even though he's clearly in a long in a in a relationship that's been going for a bit here, but. I forget exactly what the context for this note was at this point, but I wrote down Zeldin is trolling because that's what Zeldin do. Well, he's he's just kind of like saying, oh, you came here. It's like, I just need kingdom hearts and we just need to kill you and get get both your parts. Isn't trolling what most nobodies do in general? Yeah. Yeah, you got a point. Which is funny because Zaldin's very dour. He's got his huge, he's got his huge eyebrows, ridiculous hair. And and that's the most interesting thing about him personality wise. Yeah, like he I, he gives us some lore, which is more than Zigbar gave us. Well, Zigbar has too much dignity to spout villain monologues at us. So, yeah, like, but yeah, basically what he says is that they want Kingdom Hearts so that they can exist fully and completely. But let's be honest here. He feels like a guy they made because they needed to fill out the ranks. <laughs> Honestly, Zigbar, the reason he does that is because Zigbar his whole shtick is not is basically talking without telling you anything. No, his shtick is I totally know what's going on. I'm not telling yeah. you though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you both are saying the same thing there. Whereas Zaldan is just doing some dumb anime villain shit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, that's right. That's what. That's right. That's remember. Uh, basically, he's up on the balcony with Bell and the Rose. Well, it's because. She- the funny thing is, Belle accidentally gets there behind him. Like, look, I found the rose. And then Zaldan grabs her. Right, right. So, yeah, 
then Bell. Well, what he's going to do is I'm going to drop one of these two off this bridge. I I just think of Jim Carrey from Batman Forever or a hundred other references. Pick your pick. Then Bell just cheap shots at Alden because Bell actually knows how to do shit. Yeah. So yeah, she socks him <laughs> in the gut with her elbow, which which does appear to wind him, and he drops the rose and she snatches it. Let this be a lesson. Don't fuck with bookworms. Yeah. In fact, he's so stunned, she gets all the way past Sora and Beast. Mm -hmm. And Sora's like, nice one. Maybe I definitely would have just given up. With that, it's time for us to fight the most worthless member of Organization 13. And for my run through, this is one of the most miserable fights. I was having a very hard time with him. Yeah, this this fight is not easy, especially not on critical mode. Especially when you're forgetting to equip the right abilities, as I was I doing so much later. Yeah. I was doing proud mode, and I think I just bowled through without ever doing what you're supposed to do, which is by stealing a bunch of his spears and using them to jump on him. Yeah. He, yeah, you're using the Dragoon's reaction command on him, but he's also doing stuff like he keeps shaping his spears. Like he has six floating spears. He shapes them to attacks. Like, like I believe there's a tornado. He uses them as a huge spear. He rains them out on you. Late, he's riding a dragon with them as like the interior bones of it. A wind dragon. I would honestly say of all the non-important organization members, he is the one that has the most fun fight. Fun in terms of like all the cool stuff that goes on in it. It's just unfortunate that he's such a worthless dude. And I would say it's poorly tuned on critical mode, to be honest. And like I said, I'm not very good at using the learn command. I couldn't figure out the easiest ways to trigger it. So I wasn't really be able to use it to the best of its ability. Yeah. Unfortunately, Zaldin's entire purpose in life seems to be to kick this one poor self-flagellating dude who's been transformed into a beast while he's down just kick him in the ribs the reason you fight him here to lose there in part was he replaced an expected gaston enemy (laughs) i've read this in more than one source maybe all the sources are are wrong but the understanding was they actually were planning on having gaston or something similar in this world here and they decided the organization need to be doing more so this is why he he's he's completely unimportant. None of the other organization members want to be around him because nobody uh, is a buzzkill like Zaldin. Zaldin. Fuck. <laughs> the last point I'm going to make about this fight is that Mickey saved me four fucking times this go around. <laughs> four times in one fight yeah. before I won. Yeah. And so when he's down, he almost has nothing to say. He's like, is this he really just like says, is this the end at the end of the battle animation? He doesn't say anything. He just vanishes. Like he's yep. like when everything's destroyed. That's it for Zaldin. Does he vanish into the Pugas portal or just? Oh, he just oh no. Dies. Yeah, this he is the end. Of, this is Zaldin's end. He's done here. He's he's, <laughs> he's the only member wiped out on a Disney World. <laughs> Winning gets a secret answer report number four and Reflectra. The distant days spent in that beautiful paradise are an illusion to me now. How long have I been here, banished to the realm of nothingness? It is only by relying upon my anger and hatred that I have been able to retain my sense of self here, where all existence is nullified. My heart is being overcome with hatred towards my apprentices, possessed by the darkness, and with the anger I feel for stupidly allowing myself to be betrayed. Is this darkness eating away at my heart. I cannot continue to idle away my time here. What are Xehanort and the others attempting to do? I must unravel the mystery of these Ansem's reports, intercept my apprentices, and defeat them. That is my mission, the only way to repay the world for my sins. Those beings who lacked hearts, the heartless, must be the key. 
The darkness of the hearts made flesh. Cursed shadows who not only lack hearts, but multiply by seizing hearts from any and all living things. Where have they come from? And where are they going? Three elements combine to create a life. A heart, a soul, and a body. But what of the soul and body left behind when the heart is lost? When the soul leaves the body, its vessel, life gives way to death. But what about when the heart leaves? A being does not perish when its heart leaves its body. The heart alone disappears into the darkness. There is little time. If I remain in this realm much longer, I will certainly learn these answers the hard way. My heart is already a captive of the darkness. Mm. So I kind of feel like this is where we really get spelled out. I suppose that the uh, that the author of the secret Ansem reports is the real Ansem. I think we've got that already, but I suppose. But it, it now we kind of have this uh, where, it, yeah, we, we kind of have this whole thing where the real Ansem is trying to figure out as well as us uh, or trying to figure out at this point who the person who wrote the Ansem reports was and then corrupted his apprentices who I guess, do we know who the apprentices are yet or can we reason it out mm-hmm. reasonably? I will say that the reports don't mention the names of the apprentices other than Xehanort's, but we, I'm almost certain at this point we've already heard him talking about how they betrayed him and how they, and how there were these mysterious reports not written in his written his name but not by him. And we did get already that the Xehanort that was uh, Anson the Wise's apprentice was uh, the person that looks like our Anson Secret of Darkness. So I don't know if there's much more we can say about this at this time. I'm going to let's err on the side of caution and not talk much about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just there. Uh, It does lay out the uh, body, mind, soul or the body, soul, heart, trinity, that thing. That seems to have a lot of importance. Yep. It's not. I still think that, interestingly enough, the heart, you know, most one times when you have this, uh, I guess, this trinity of of things that make a person it's often the mind soul and body but here we have the heart soul and body and i guess i think we've mentioned it before but i guess in in japanese the idea of the heart is possibly even more expansive than it is in english mm-hmm. and so yeah. I, I guess it it really kind of does include part of the the mind and we do kind of have this idea that from chain of memories that the right. heart includes the memories of the person. Mm-hmm. Let's put a pin in that. I'm pretty sure we'll come back to it in another report later. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or if it's already happened in a report before now, I'll just cut that. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the power of editing. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, I guess beast feels a little bit better after we beat up Zaldin. Just doing good again. Uh, we get the dance sequence from the movie, A Tale as Old as Time, Beauty and the Beast. Beast Castle appears mm. on the screen. Yay. Yay. Chip and Dale get a weird reading so, because something strange starts to appear in silhouette at the back of the map. <laughs> as I recall at this point, it's like very, very hazy and we don't get to see much of what it is. But it's, it's, like, it's like sort of like the whole backdrop of the uh, outer world where there's kind of a swirling void. Some, like a shadow starts appearing. Yeah. It, 
It looks like it's large and something in the distance. Like if I remember correctly, it looks almost like some kind of horizon, like a shape on the horizon. Yeah, it's very blurry right now, though. We don't have it's very indistinct and shadowy and blurry, but it's big, whatever it is. Maybe if we solve more of these stories, we'll get to see more of it. Now we're going to go to Port Royal to continue probably one of our biggest running gags. Yeah, let's check in with those freakish facsimiles in Port Royal. can't remember. I, I don't think I have any left to use. I think I've used all my ideas. <laughs> Ooh, I know. We could, I could call them off-model berserk CGI animations. <laughs> all right. Right away, a hood guy finds some cursed gold. I will say this isn't right in front of us. Like, technically, it's like a side cut scene. Yeah, this is a fine. Be a little ridiculous if they cut the period right in front of us. Yeah, I am kind of amused that you have a nobody from another world finding the cursed gold and realizing, okay, I shouldn't take this, but I can have other people do some really bad shit with this stuff. Uh, Sordal and Goofy come in and they run right into the freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp down to the harbor, finding some undead pirates. Where'd those come from? I thought we dealt with that. And our render project calls out to his friend Zola. Yeah, Sora's just like, nope, it's Sora, buddy. Al. No, it's Sora, Donald, and Goofy. You have to name all yes. three of us. Yeah, you have to acknowledge Donald and Goofy if Sora is in the same room as Donald and Goofy, and you have to acknowledge it in that order. The whole thing has been on the nose right now. Then the freakish facsimile of Kira Knightley shows up to tell us that the freakish facsimile of Hawaiian Bloom went to Isla del Marte, and she wants us to help find him. Boy, I, I, okay, at this point, I'm kind of wishing that I didn't pick this uh, running gag in my notes. But at the same time, I also know that I repeated again in Dream Drop Distance. And I'm looking forward to that in Dream Drop Distance, too. Uh, well, you did. That means you did it to yourself. I did. I mean, it is worth noting, like it says, this is this plot's happening at ridiculous breakneck speeds. We're just running into the characters. E- even yeah. even compared to Beast Castle, there's at least like half a moment breathing. It's like, hey, you guys having a nice dinner? Can we yeah, stay? it's... It's literally like you you turn around a corner in the alley and the next cutscene ends. It's like you literally bump into the next yeah. next cutscene. Yeah. They just keep running up to us. Yep. This is exactly why in a future game somebody one of the villains really hates cutscenes. Can we make that reference yet? <laughs> I have to say, Sora spends this entire one. Uh, he was charmed by the beast of Belzer. He's just glaring at 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 our, at, at our uh, pirate modeling clay the whole time. We take a boat out to the Isle of Marte. We don't even get halfway there. Yeah, we only get halfway there. On the way, we find a freakish facsimile of Orlando Bloom nearly dead on the interceptor. I gotta say, the fact that we f- came out on one boat and found the other boat's pretty good luck. He tells us that a cloak guy did something to him. He's just really vague. It's like, I was overcome. His face was shrouded. The stone, the medallion, the chest of medallions are gone. I was attacked. <laughs> and he implied he was with a bunch of other people, but they're all dead because he's the only one that made it out is how he puts it. The real reason why they're not there is that they didn't model any other NPCs. Well, would you want to model any NPCs in this world? Probably not. Video games often have stuff happen off screen, especially when they're struggling with their modeling assets. Well, I mean, it's PlayStation 2 and we have to spend so much of our processing power on these small box environments. We can't get more character models. Mm. I think we're going to need a better engine for that. (laughs) After he gave us all this nice um, exposition, my own notes say then we prop up Bloom in the corner and forget he's there. Yeah, because he uh, that's that's his that's his contribution to the plot. It's over because we're rushing through the story. We have very little interaction with any characters that aren't the freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp. 
Yeah. As a like, bloom, he, he's theoretically near death or he's severely injured, and we just leave him in the hold, is my impression. Because we don't go back to the mainland first. Then the org guy shows up on the Black Pearl with a chest full of medallions and a creepy pendulum heartless. It's a boss preview. The boss is called the Grim Reaper. We're not going to get the full fight with him yet, but it's a bit of a preview of how his mechanics are going to work because it's yeah. all about that medallions. And if you're paying attention to the voice, we've been paying attention to the org voices in the scenes. This is the guy who keeps talking about stuff like dice. So you can probably guess part of his deal. Yep. So, yeah, I have in my notes, Luxord calls Parley because he watched Pirates of the Caribbean. Barley? Goofy's hungry, I guess. <laughs> or wants beer. Yep. That good anyway. old Barley tea. Let and Goofy drink beer. Let Goofy drink beer. Yep. <laughs> Maybe Goofy is always drunk. That's why why he is how he is. I don't know. Oh, so that's so it's the impaired motor controls dead in uh, dead into sensation of pain. <laughs> I think you're right. Atten- minor attention span issues. But also, like, he's able to make those galaxy brain contributions to things because he's always drunk. Like his mind's <laughs> already operating at that level. <laughs> We are adding in some new retroactive headcanon here, folks. You're not going to hear about this again until late stage birth by sleep, probably. <laughs> or until this or until, or until, or until or until becomes do. after us for the slander yeah. of the characters. I kind of like Luxord in general because uh, out of all of these kind of slightly less important organization members, I think Luxord kind of has the most interesting attitude. I guess he's kind of... Uh, we already have Setzer in this game, but uh, he's kind of Setzer as a villain almost. Yeah. And Setzer was one of the characters that Nomura designed for Final Fantasy VI. And I know he has said that Luxord is his favorite organization member. Mm. Seems so, about right. I would not be surprised if Luxord is important somehow. Hmm. I've heard rumors later, but. After that call for Parlay, he tricks us, just gets us right off the Black Pearl and just destroys the Interceptor with us on it. <laughs> It's it's really just like an obvious walk into the trap. Oh, yeah. And now we actually get a new map. This is the ship graveyard. It's literally a ship graveyard. And by the way, so did we just leave Orlando Bloom stuck on there? Like I was saying, it's really what it feels like. I think he's dead. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we wash up in a ship graveyard looking place. Oh, no. Freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp is a skeleton again. And I have in my notes that Donald assures us that they aren't greedy. Sora and Goofy think that's silly. Then they shout loudly about being from other worlds and the freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp seems to get ideas. I will say that if any of our party members were to succumb to the curse of the gold, it would be Donald. Duck skeleton time. Mm. I would love to see that. Well, they forget and make the bill a skeleton, too. Oh, obviously. (laughs) That's how you do it, right? And it's like I just love how Luxor just plays them. It's like I'm just going to surrender a chest. I'm just stealing these medallions to screw you over, and also boom. <laughs> yeah, Luxor has a lot of pretty pretty good moments in this whole whole thing. He's he's a gambler, and he also knows how how I guess pirates work as well. And so he kind of knows that underground underworld sort of deal, and he uses it to his advantage here. Like I said, I I like Luxord, but he is kind of going with he is kind of going with the the. It's easy to be smart when everyone around you is so dumb. (laughs) That's kind of true. I dig it. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, let's go through the ship graveyard a bit uh, because we need to keep this episode rolling. 
Uh, first thing that's of note in the ship graveyard is that we get the last summon in the game in a random treasure chest. Just no po- story point at all. Not given to us by a person, just in a random ass chest in the ship graveyard. And guess who it is, folks? It's Peter Pan. Yep. Peter Pan has been demoted to summon in this game after being a playable character. Well, not playable character, being a party member in yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1. Well, remember his remember his world was demoted to ship plus another country's uh, clock towers. So he's still having a rough time. But do we want to go to his world? <laughs> like his actual world? I guess you just can't have pirates and Peter Pan. That's too much pirates. And also, isn't there things that are like kind of not okay in Peter Pan's world? There, there's definitely some problematic stuff in Peter Pan's world. See future episode of Birth by Sleep. <laughs> Around the ship guard, we find probably my favorite of the advanced nobodies, the gamblers. They're not particularly hard, but I think they're cool. How do they work again? Do they like summon cards around them that they use to block attacks? There's that. I think they sometimes have like a dice attack too. Like I said, they're they're kind of funny because they get they got this they got this big goofy look to them. Like they almost look like they're juggling because they're always floating the cards and the uh, and the dice. They have the big spike heads in the shape of the uh, nobody emblem. Yeah, they they always have like a a line of cards going from one sleeve into another. They look kind of like they're juggling it, except they're just yeah, yeah. like levitating them. It has stop dice and like a begin game. It has the X and O game. So after we beat these nobodies, the freakish facsimile of Kira Knightley pulls up in the Black Pearl as though Luxor never stole it. Luxor got bored and wandered off. Yeah, well now we got to go around the ship graveyard looking for gamblers to steal back their medallions. Yeah. Yep, because we're doing the whole subplot in Ooh. Pirates. We're doing the whole subplot in Pirates where you have to return all of the medallions to the chest in order to break the curse. But somehow Depp got cursed again in the middle. We, it really isn't clear how. We needed him to be cursed because that's just how he was programmed. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's no real explanation for it. And, and it's like, he, I didn't do it. So it's like, oh, I bet I bet that org member did somehow. He, uh, what what happened is that is that Luxord shoved a medallion into Johnny Johnny Depp's hands and then took it away. And then, and then because the models were shoddy and no clips. Yep. There we go. That's it. <laughs> it's stuck in him now. He's going to have to reset. <laughs> uh, once we get all the medallions, we get to go back to town to find Luxord, who is in the harbor where he's placed the medallion chest and is just right here for us to fight his boss. It's not that hard to find him. He's kind of implied he's trying to see if this whole thing will make for good organization 13, like minions with the cursed gold. Yeah, like, like, he's not trying to specifically kill strong beings or turn them into heartless. He just wants to see if he'd use mixing magic systems. He's just trying to experiment with shit, doing weird mm-hmm. stuff. I want, to roll the, I want to roll the dice on this. What, you, what can I say? Yep, he's a gambler. In order to beat the freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp's curse, we need to win. <sighs> But the Grim Reaper is also cursed. Yes. Let's talk about this fight. Yep. I think it's fun, but I was playing on proud mode and not critical. And it, well, I didn't think it was that frustrating on the lower, on the lower difficulty. So, I believe we addressed it elsewhere, how badly I was playing on critical mode with errors. But suffice to say, this one was driving me insane, especially because the fight is long, long non-battle sequences in it. Yeah. So, like, what it does is he vacuums all the coins up, and we have to beat it like a pinata until it barfs them out. And we got to dump them back in the chest. But then he, it's almost, it's turned into a struggle fight, like, where I think he'll, yeah. he'll steal coins back if you don't get them. 
Yep. It's the struggle fight mechanics again. Fortunately, the best way to get the medallions free from him is magic. Thunder is actually pretty damn good in this fight. We just got it upgraded. I just realized, so winning gets us the Magnera spell, and kind of that makes sense because it vacuums up all the coins with Magnera. Go figure. I dig it. We got slightly better at putting things together in a magnet. Yep. How do they work? With magic, obviously, because it's a magic spell. <laughs> Fucking miracles. Oh, jeez. So after we kill the Grim Weeper, Luxord swipes its heart and fucks off because that that's what Luxord do. He didn't even swipe. He just watched it go. He's like, well, that's ours now. Yep. It goes into into our master plan of uh, whatever it is. Making a big heart. Yep. And we also got secret answer report number six. Yay. My choice to befriend darkness here in the middle of nothing was a sound one. The moment I stared straight ahead with a calm heart, neither rejecting darkness nor fearing it, I gained a newfound power. A superhuman power. The power of darkness. It is likely Xehanort and the others were enraptured by this power, eventually becoming its prisoners. I do not intend to allow my heart to be devoured by the darkness as they did, of course. With this new power, I uncovered a corridor of darkness that connects the realm of nothingness to the outside world. While it's still difficult to come and go as I please, my banishment is now a thing of the past. To deceive Xehanort and my apprentices, I first used my power to change form before returning to the Realm of Light. As I suspected, Xehanort had become a Heartless. Under my name, he commanded other Heartless in quests to snatch away the hearts of many different worlds. At the center of the heart Xehanort has stolen was Kingdom Hearts, which attracts tremendous darkness to itself and attempts to send any and all matter back into its depths. The other five had disappeared. Have they become heartless like Xehanort, or did they vanish after Xehanort exploited them? I became familiar with an unusual entity while pursuing the truth. It is the soul and body that remain when a being loses its heart. When a heartless is born, these entities disappear from the realm of light to be reborn as entirely new beings in a completely different realm. <laughs> I just laugh at this one because the very first line is, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Ugh. The previous answer, answer report we were doing, I had to just completely resist all urge to chime in with the where does it come from, where does it go with a Cotton Eye Joe reference. Yeah, oh, boy. no. We can say that this guy is pretty lyrical, isn't he? No, that doesn't work. That's not that's just a dumb joke. I'm sorry, people. Yep. Anyway, so this one kind of fills in a little bit more about the history, I guess. I'd say it's more filling in like what this Ansem's methods have been and how he's like uh, getting around freely despite being stuck in darkness. Yeah. So <laughs> he was somehow exiled to the depths of oblivion and way out. He went back. He's like, yeah, I, I I, definitely, you know, I use the darkness. I'm not like anyone else. I'm not going to get consumed. I'm just built different. Also, just fucking get rid of that treasure chest because... Um, we just dumped it in the ocean, finally. Yeah, like, it doesn't need to go into a cave in a faraway place. It just needs to go down to the bottom of the ocean where no one will find it. Somebody will eventually dredge it up. As they make more pirates movies, they add more and more weird beings. So something might find it. For a while, at least, we get rid of it. They'll, they'll be really unlucky to look at that one and deal put up at the same time instead of a really bad day. <laughs> oh, no. Is that a fucking JoJo reference? So a freakish facsimile of Johnny Depp wants to parlay with Sora for the Keyblade, but uh, the Keyblade won't have any of that. 
Sora gets really snarky about it, too. Yeah, he just gets this dumb grin on his face and he hands Freaky Specsimile of Johnny Depp the Keyblade. And then the Keyblade just ports right back to him. But I don't blame a pirate for wanting to have a a weapon that is very powerful and will also unlock any door or yeah. uh, unlock any lock, either figurative or literal. To, to Depp's credit, he recognizes immediately Sora's being way too willing, so he's not too surprised when it happens. Yep. <laughs> that's it from here. We got the title card for the world, and there's a weird reading in the back of the map that's getting clearer. Yeah. I think that was actually probably the best of this batch of worlds, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I uh, guess maybe uh, Olympus Coliseum is cool, too. We'll see. I mean, it's just really weird because it, we just spend the whole time glaring at Depp and at the end, so it's like, I hope we see him again. Yeah. Well, th- this is kind of me. It's not really praising this world as much as it is putting down a lot of the other ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Valid. Let's check in on Herc for the Olympus Coliseum. So I'm sure things are going great there. Yep. <laughs> we start off with Herc, who's seems to be down and Hades is kicking him while he's down. Hades is good at that. Yeah, he's gone full wrestling promoter to hype the Hades Cup. Hercules is completely in the I screwed up once and you guys had to fight the Hydra. All those invisible people aren't there suffered because of me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I always thought Hercules is kind of uh, silly in how easily he gets down and out, both in Kingdom Hearts and in his actual uh, films and TV shows and stuff like that. Well, in Disney, the characterization of him is as an overeager kid with self-esteem issues. Yeah. That he's still too nice to like go anything way really nasty with it, but it really he unfortunately is rather fragile like that. Like he he blames himself instantly. And and his power does in fact seem directly proportional to how good about himself he is feeling at that particular moment. It's more like he's able or willing to like uh to call it forth. Like he, he always has his strength, he uses it casually. It's like he if, he, if his will breaks, he's very bad at getting up and fighting again, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess that's also how Superman kind of works, too. It's hard to keep them down. They do recover quickly enough with the right stimuli. And once they're in motion, you basically can't stop them physically or mentally. It's just they do have those those fracture points. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of you can't really kill them very easily. It's very hard to actually kill them and keep them down. But uh, so but you can't kind of demoralize them to the point that they're not going to move very easily. And then you just then you have your window of opportunity before something happens. Mm-hmm. To put it anyway. That way. Anyway, let's do the Hades Cup. Uh, during the Hades Cup, we do get a new Heartless called the Crescendo. I forget what it is. I think it's like a little music singy thingy. It's a little bulb with a horn face. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a and ball a with a horn face and, and, and like a no head. Mm-hmm. It's a little music thingy. There's not much else to say about it. I just like to comment on all the new monsters when they show up. It's kind of cute, actually. I think it was in I think it was in Recom in some form. Like I had a different name. Maybe. Mm. The first few packs of Heartless in the Hades Cup are pretty easy. First one is Spin Strike and the second one is Bad Alert. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to get us to the finals because this cup is just sort of like a very truncated version of all the tournaments that are actually in the game. Yeah. Hades not putting that much into this one. It's This is just for the plot. He'll use the better one for the bonus. Because we make it to the finals, Donald is excited to finally graduate from being junior bracers. I mean, heroes. We can't make that reference yet. I, okay. I mean, one, we can't make the reference yet. But two, I'm like, it does kind of seem like Keyblade Wielders are kind of like Cosmic Bracers. Cosmic Powered, at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fortunately, bracers are not as toxic as Jedi. Yes. 
Very good. Oron has either forgot us or is feigning not knowing us. He's busy talking about his crime of existing, so probably not a bluff. I personally just hate mind control stuff like this. If you're going to go the mind control way, it should be more psychological. It should be more of a like you should have more of an insight into how it's happening. But that's just me thinking about how the good writing is go should go. So psychological manipulation, yes. Uh, magical <clears throat> manipulation, no. Well, like you can use magic in there, but like I think it, you need to look into the character's psychology in order to kind of depict how it works and make it seem reasonable, if that makes sense. So, yeah. We follow Oren down on a jaunty walk through the caves of hell. Yep. Sounds fun. Yep. We make it to the end. We see Hades grill Oren about the crime of existing. And the only way out of that crime is just beating Herc and Sorodal and Goofy. Like, but um, I'm a counter offer. I just beat the one guy, not the not the weird kid. And Hades is like, nope. And the Funko Pop will zap you. <laughs> His little statue of Oron just he just yep. zaps him. Yep, the little Oron Funko Pop. So it's ba- basically a Funko Pops are even more cursed than voodoo dolls. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, Sora, Doll, and Goofy decide to figure out how to get Oron out of Hades control. So we gotta go steal that Oron Figma. So, so here's a question. If there are real life people who have Funko Pops, and I think there are a few of those, uh, does that mean that we can like do bad things to them if we do, if we have the Funko Pop? But that would require owning a Funko Pop. Yeah. Let, let's, let's just eliminate that. Dark, that's magic too dark for us to handle. <laughs> yeah. Too cursed. I mean, there's several in my house and my brother and housemate both own them. Oh, oh no. 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 How did you let that into your house? Whatever. Get rid of it. Get rid of them. You're 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 living with evil. Oh yeah, there's two cats in here too. The cats are not evil, they are just misunderstood assholes. So let's go into Hades' room and get that Nendroid. We find that it's full of Oron's nasty comments vaguely talking about his plot. They're not giving the full plot details, they're being a little circumspect about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically a solidified version of Oran's backstory where you know where why he is the kind of self-sacrificing bodyguard Yojimbo type character. Yeah. I, I imagine Hayes tries to make one of those a sore it just it's just too happy. Friendship. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a a care bear. <laughs> Gosh. Goes shooting out beams of friendship, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, then we get swarmed by nobodies and the heartless jump the nobodies. That's weird. Let's go with it. That's like so like they went, wow, that guy's life was bad. It's like, yeah, but it really made him motivated. I mean, that's what your takeaway is. We got that one sixth play arts figure. So let's go deliver it to Oron. Oof. You keep trying to go up through the figure style here. Yep. Yep. Fortunately, uh, Oron smashes it. So we don't have to think of a better style of figuring, breaking the curse of the running gag. I'm guessing you ran out of ideas. Yes. <laughs> A G.I. Joe action figure, but Oren. Anyway. But that's not a step up from a 1-6th Play Arts figure. 1-6th no, Play Arts the, figures are actually really valuable. Yes, we're not going a step up. Do you know that uh, big Magitek armor with Terra uh, figure that Square released that is like in the tens of thousands of dollars range? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that one. Uh, uh, it's cool, but not it, tens of thousands I, of dollars cool. There's a part of me that's like, if I had a bazillion dollars... Yes, I would totally buy that. <laughs> if you were Elon Musk rich, rich, yeah. Yeah. But if I was Elon Musk rich, would I be doing a podcast this dumb? <laughs> I, don't know, I mean, his I mean, his choices are. Hmm. I would probably be using my money for better things. Okay, if I ever get Elon Musk rich, 
please remind me that I want to do good things with that money because having that much money makes you stupid and evil. <laughs> anyway. Fuck Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's where that went. And Jeff Bezos. So Hades decides that he's done playing by the rules now and decides to be the heel general manager and tosses Megan to a pit. I, I don't think too many actual general managers have done that, but uh, when you're when you're the god of the underworld, you can do that. Wow, you underestimate wrestling. Jared, you know a lot about wrestling. How about you take this next part? <laughs> well, Herc falls for distraction. He runs out of the ring, so he gets counted out and the match ends in a DQ. The crowd is completely against it, so Hades says, okay, we're going to book a new match today. Let's have a... Ha- I said, I'm going to go be in a handicap match against these three, against these three jobbers that just showed up. Those jobbers being Sora Donald and Goofy? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, they're ringers. Well, you think so, but Hades is no selling everything. He's said he he's the only thing he sells is merchandise. He's John Cena strong today. By which we mean he is not being able to be hurt right now because he's still super powered in the underworld. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's but then we got the big crowd pop as Hercules returns. He's glowing with heroism. He gets the hot tag and he he's into the match to do he saved the baby faces in peril. Yay. <laughs> Does Herc also count as a baby face or Sorry, okay, does baby face refer to a like a new talent or just a younger looking face? Face is short for baby face. OK, it, it's, that's where the that's where the, the phrase comes from, because the idea is like you got this. You got the you got the clean, you got the clean look there. And that's the term that came up. Got it. And now the actual fight starts. So I'll, I'll spare using as much slang as I'm familiar with. Or Spears is going to be knocked at Hades to remove his invulnerability. So, yeah, that gives the fight a kind of fun flow. But also, Hades. Hades has this very annoying revenge counter, and teleporting out of your combo can get pretty old. Does Hades still do the weird wiggle dance from Kingdom Hearts 1? Well, I mean, he, remember, we made fun of this. He started with it the first time we ran away from him. Like, that's his default animation the first time we were here, as you as I say, escape from Hades. <laughs> After the fight, Hades falls in the pit. That, that's the last time we have to see him. It's not the last time we have to see him. Yep. So... So Oren at the end actually has a good character moment, which is a surprise for a Disney world, even though he's not actually a Disney character. It's a surprise for a Final Fantasy character in Kingdom Hearts at this point. <laughs> well, he says he's going to go off and shape his own story because apparently he just you can't listen to Titus that long without picking up his phrasing. <laughs> yep. So uh, not so, our Titus, a totally different Titus. So mm-hmm. Oren is like, I should thank you. Not at all. Fine. And then he just walks away. I mean, sure, you could thank us a little. You should say what you mean. I guess I could spare a few words. Thanks for the meddling. It's just, wow. It's, a, it's a cute little scene. <laughs> it, it's a good line, actually. I really like thanks for the meddling. I just love, he, he just, he just finds sore doing his little, little mozzie. He's like, okay, fine. I'm just going to poke the hell out of this kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he kind of... Uh, I don't know if this Oren knows Titus, but Sora and Titus are actually relatively they're they're not identical, but they share some attributes. Mark wonders where we're off to next, and Sora deflects by teasing the lovebirds because Sora is weird right now. <laughs> yep. And we get the Guardian Soul Keyblade yep. from Oren. Yep. I mean, I don't even know how to describe Sora's insistence with all this nonsense. Yep. So at the end, we didn't make the right dialogue choices, so we didn't get enough bracer points to graduate from Junior Heroes, uh, according to Phil, at least. So Donald is disappointed and vows to use a walkthrough next time. Okay, yeah, I think we can start just making these references. 
I, I don't think the existence of bracers is a spoiler. But, I mean, people won't understand what we're talking about until several years from now. Well, if they have not played the Trails slash Kiseki series, maybe we, we will have the exact right listener who has. But the gods decide that Sora, Donald, and Goofy deserve to be memorialized anyway, and we get a title card and some constellations in the sky. We made it! It's pretty good for junior heroes. In a, in a new Zodiac sign, the three dopes. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, we made it! Now, we, said we made it through this one, but we're only halfway through this world tour of ours. Oh no, not Digimon Adventure Zero 2! Look, you <laughs> were worried about problematic material from Peter Pan, why don't we just have bad stereotypes everywhere? Okay, well, fortunately, we're not going to go to any new worlds. Sure you don't want to go to Atlantica? No new worlds. <laughs> you, can only, you can only get away from this so long, you realize. We can get away. I can get away from it as long as I fucking want. It does not matter at all. <laughs> all right. So with that said, until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Sora is going to be like Goku. At some point, Sora will have had sex, but not know what sex is. That's about right, actually. I didn't know I had a keyblade there. Oh, no. Oh, no. That, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, believe me, I could have said, believe me, my mind went to the least horrifying one. <laughs> I mean, I've heard it described as keyblades are double phallic symbols because they are both keys and swords, which are both phallic symbols. <laughs> Now we need to put, uh... Oh, no! You gotta cut guys, that. We, guys, we yes. are, guys, I technically put us as clean. Um, uh, they, yes. like, you got I to cut that one. I could get away with swearing, but I can't include that one. Maybe, no, I'll, no, okay. that's Maybe I'll bleep out what exactly is said and put this in antidotes to keys. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. I, I feel bad myself. It's just that. Oof. Yeah, Jared. conversation went. So we have to knock Aura Spears from Herc at Hades to remove his vulnerability. Remove his invulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the way it should be said. I got this damn Simpsons joke in my head. Inflammable means flammable. What a country. <laughs>